Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the news that Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu has been forced to retire from football at the age of 24 because of a heart condition. We look at other players who've been affected by heart issues, including Nigeria's Mwankwo Kanu. Also, we go to France and speak to Zimbabwean midfielder Marshall Monetti, who played well for Rennes last weekend in a goalless draw with Paris Saint-Germain. Munetzi tells us about life in France and talks about Zimbabwe's FIFA suspension from international football. This kills the young players who have uh, an ambition to be like me also, to be in Europe, because playing for my national team gave me the opportunity to play against big countries and big players, so it's something that is said for us. That's coming later. Also, Stuart on the English Premier League and the confusion over how handball is working. That's all coming up. First, it's a big weekend in African football with the second legs of the first round ties in the CAF Champions League on and the winners of the ties qualify for the group stage. The defending champions Widad Casablanca of Morocco have a bit of work to do. They play at home to Rivers United of Nigeria. Rivers winning the first leg 2-1, so Widad with an away goal. A very evenly balanced Al Hilal of Sudan playing Yanga of Tanzania. That was 1-1 from the first leg. And CR Belouzidad of Algeria, who've got a good recent record, hosts Joliba of Mali, and Joliba won the first leg 2-1. And a more on the Champions League on next week's show. Well, in sad news this week, we heard that Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu has been forced to retire from football at the age of 24 because of a hereditary heart condition. Brighton said that Mwepu would be at an extremely high risk of suffering a potentially fatal cardiac event if he continued playing and that the only option was for him to retire. Uh, well, Ida, with such a promising career ahead of him, this came as a big shock. It was a big shock and really, really sad as well, Steve. The news was first announced by Brighton before Mwepu took to his social media to make a personal statement. And his post was quite emotional, at least to me. I mean, he reflected on where his football dream was born in a small township in Zambia where he presumably grew up, you know, all the way to playing in the English Premier League. Imagine that, the highest level of football for many. He also released a separate statement via his socials, specifically informing and thanking the Football Association of Zambia as well as fans of the national team, saying that he will now join them as a fellow fan of the national team, the Chipolo Polo. The condition, as you've said, Steve, is a hereditary heart disease. Now, according to Brighton, it's one that manifests later in life. And actually, it wasn't evident in previous tests. And as we know, this isn't something that clubs in Europe especially fail to do. They take regular cardiac screenings very, very seriously. And it is a condition that can definitely lead to something much more serious if not nipped now. Steve, the 24-year-old fell ill in the last round of international friendlies. That was when Zambia lost 1-0 to Mali. Now, Mwepu didn't even make it to kick off. 
He was unable to train pretty much after the team arrived in Mali. He then spent four days in the hospital before he was allowed to fly back to the UK. Now, upon arrival, tests were done and the club confirmed that the only way out was for him to retire. The Zambian was so good, he had such promise that he was nicknamed the computer because of how well he read the game. He had featured in all six of Brighton's Premier League games this season, at least before the news. And in total, he featured 27 times for the club since joining from RB Salzburg. That was last year in July. That was for £18 million, roughly $20 million. Steve, his first season with Brighton was blighted by a bit of injury here and there, but he did score a stunner. Remember that long-range strike against Liverpool, you know, and that was actually one year ago, October 2021, and that earned him the Club Goal of the Season award. He won four Austrian league titles, three Austrian Cups with Salzburg, and on a national level, there was a lot of hope, at least prior to this news, that he would play a key role in taking Zambia back to the Afghan, you know since the last time they qualified was in 2015. Steve, remember that they were champions in 2012. So he did score six goals in 23 appearances for the Chipolo Polo. Tributes flowed in from former managers, players, and legends alike. We're talking the likes of Kalusha Bwali as well. In his statement, Mwepu said that he will still be involved with football in some capacity in the future. And look, I personally do look forward to that. Suffice it to say that he does need to take time out to heal in all possible ways from this. Health and family should always be top, top priority. I mean, he just got married barely two years ago. So this is wishing Mwepu all the very, very best with life. Yeah, sure. And we do have to take these heart conditions very seriously. Uh, players have died, including Cameroon's Mark Vivian Foy. And Nigeria's Mwankwo Kanu also comes to mind, having had corrective heart surgery in 1996. He was able to come back and continue playing. So maybe there's hope for Mwepu Aida? Well, Steve, I'll say this. There are players who have suffered cardiac conditions, taken time out to recuperate and come back. Most recently was Christian Eriksen. I mean, what a scary sight that was at the Euros. The Dane suffered a heart attack. He was later fitted with a pacemaker. And look, he's now playing for Manchester United. But on the flip side, there are players who left the game due to heart disease, came back and died as a result. Burundi's Fati Papi was one such example. He left South African clubs Bidvest Wits and Real Kings due to his condition. He was then signed by a club in Swaziland and he died while playing in 2019. Steve, you've mentioned Mark Vivian Foe. You've talked about Nuanko Kanu. We can't discuss this without mentioning Fabrice Mwamba, who almost didn't make it. He suffered cardiac arrest and collapsed during the first half of that now very famous FA Cup quarterfinal. It was Bolton and Tottenham back in 2012. And five months later, his retirement was announced. 
So many players, Steve, have suffered cardiac problems. Some come back and some don't. I mean, remember Kun Aguero's shocking retirement at 33? But not just him. We're talking France World Cup winner Lilian Turam. We're talking Sami Kedira, Dani Kavahal, Ika Casillas, and many, many others. One may forget that Kavahal, for example, he was sidelined for the 2017-18 season with a heart condition. Remember that season when Real Madrid were busy winning a third consecutive UEFA Champions League trophy? Atletico Madrid's Angel Correa, he had a heart tumor in 2014 that he actually underwent surgery for, and then he came back. Experts, Steve, have differing opinions on the topic. There are some that say that the increase in cardiac conditions amongst professional footballers is definitely a sign, it's a big sign, that their schedule is incredibly packed and it's getting even worse so. While some say that, look, these conditions have always existed and they're simply more highlighted now with media dynamics, you know, and the likes of medical technology also evolving. This one is a tricky one. Yes, and when it comes to the domestic leagues around Africa, there have been many cases of players collapsing over the years, uh, some players sadly dying in action as well. And with that lack of medical checkups uh, in African football, we don't know how many of those uh, could have come from heart conditions. Well, thanks, Ida. You can read more on this uh, on our website, uh, Russ Bravo's blog on Enoch Mwepu and this whole story and how his future is secure as a follower of Jesus. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and uh, you click on the blog section. And asking for your thoughts on social media, what do you think about the early end to Enoch Mwepu's career? Uh, how far do you think he could have gone? And uh, do you think maybe he might come back? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about the early end to Enoch Mwepu's career? Uh, do you think he might maybe come back? And uh, how far do you think that he uh, could have gone uh, in his playing career? Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, we go to France and speak to Zimbabwean midfielder Marshall Munetzi, who played well for Rennes last weekend in a goalless draw with Paris Saint-Germain in the French League One. Well, Munetzi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. He told him about life in France and talked about Zimbabwe's FIFA suspension from international football. And first about last weekend's game, holding Paris Saint-Germain to a goalless draw. Yes, it was a very good game. We did everything that the coach uh, prepared us, and the most important one was we got a clean sheet and we didn't get any red card today. <laughs> <laughs> and you almost got a goal too. Yeah, Dunayama is a very good goalkeeper. I think we had a lot of chances, but he was uh, on fire today. For Rams, this could be a turning point for you guys. I mean, you keep dropping points and all that, but today, getting a big point against a team like Piers, you should be a turnaround for you guys. Yes, for sure, because we had some injuries and some guys are still injured, so this was like the first time we had most of the players, me, Azo, playing together with Lopi, and also Ito was suspended, so I think if we can be able to have all the experienced guys, I think it would be a really turning point for us. I know you always play club football, but one high will be cast on international football with Zimbabwe. How 
how bad is it for footballers like you who just wants to play football but getting suspended by FIFA? It's a very complicated topic and I just hope the people who are involved can be able to solve this because FIFA puts these rules to protect football. So if our government doesn't respect this, then we don't deserve to play. But this kills the young players who have uh, an ambition to be like me also, to be in Europe because playing for my national team gave me the opportunity to play against big countries and big players. So it's something that is said for us, uh, for the players and uh, for the people who are involved, the fans. So I just hope the government can be able to do the right thing and make sure that we are able to play for the coming games. And now you're settling down here now. Your French looks to be good now, isn't it? Yes, yes I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. You know, the club has been very good to me. I, like, I love the city and they've been taking care of me. So it's also easy for me to learn when you are, when you are feeling at home. You get the food here. Yeah? Yes. There's an African shop now. Yes, I, I, now I know all the corners. <laughs> okay, so but finally, um, if people back home are listening to you now, I mean, those people who are making decisions that concerns your career and the careers of millions of other kids who would love to play for Zimbabwe. What would be your message to them, apart from what FIFA want, what would be your message to them to solve the problems that rocking Zimbabwe football? The first thing is that they never communicate with the players. You know, these are people who are just in positions because they know maybe someone in government, they don't know anything about football. Because for us, it hurts us a lot because this is our life. This is football is something that can change a nation, that can change a lot of fortunes for the country. So they have to communicate with us. They have to ask us also on certain things because if you hear the accusations that they are saying, it's something that doesn't have to concern with football. It's politics. So for sure FIFA has a say on it, but they also have to communicate with us. So this is one thing that I can say to the people that are in charge. They have to communicate with the players that are involved because look at us now, we have so many big players playing in Europe. So it will be for them a good opportunity to sit down and talk also with us so that we can find a way forward. So that's the Zimbabwe midfielder Marshall Manetsi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji. Manetsi's 26 years old. He moved to South Africa when he was just 19, uh, first to Ubuntu Cape Town in the first division, uh, then to Barocca, uh, then to big club Orlando Pirates, where he established himself with Pirates and also became a regular for the Zimbabwe national team. He moved to Rennes in France in 2019. He's been there ever since, so his career has progressed really well. He played at the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt for the Warriors. And a bit more on the Zimbabwe suspension there, which was uh, given by FIFA because of government interference. This after the uh, government-aligned Sports and Recreation Commission suspended the board of ZIFA a year ago. Well, FIFA reacted uh, by suspending Zimbabwe earlier this year, the same time that they also suspended Kenya from international football. Uh, This came just after Zimbabwe had time to play at this year's Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, But the subsequent suspension has been uh, very costly for Zimbabwe in terms of uh, featuring at big tournaments. Uh, Zimbabwe missing out on the Women's Africa Cup of Nations, uh, missing out on qualifiers for the next edition of the Africa Cup of Nations, missing out on the upcoming African Nations Championship, the CHAN, Uh, plus regional tournaments, youth tournaments too, and the CAF Champions League for men and for women. Uh, Well, the Sports and Recreation Commission said that they want to restructure Zimbabwean football, a process that will go on until the end of this year. So they're in no hurry to see the FIFA suspension lifted. There have been elections for a new board of the Zimbabwe Football Association, uh, but uh, FIFA only recognises the previous board that has been suspended. 
so no end in sight for this footballing saga here in Zimbabwe. And as Marshall Manetsi said there, the lack of national team football is costing players the chance of exposure and the chance to move outside the country. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League with Alex Iwobi doing well for Everton. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, uh, can Thomas Partey help the Gunners to win the English Premier League title? Uh, the Ghana midfielder Thomas Partey scored a great goal for Arsenal two weeks ago in a 3-1 win over Tottenham that kept the Gunners on top of the table. Uh, Partey has been impressing since coming back from injury. So we asked, uh, how good do you think he is and can he help Arsenal to win the league? And we heard from lots of Ghana's fans. Firstly, in Ethiopia, Inch Kabaz says a party can control the game, both with Ghana and with Arsenal, and he's a very impressive player. In Niger, Katiela Djibrilou says a yes, party can help them to the title. And in Botswana, Rechabile Dipopego says, yeah, he's a good player indeed. In Sierra Leone, Suleiman Sawani says, to be honest, that guy's a good player. He has the ability to move forward at any time he's with the ball. Arsenal without Partey is a problem, says Suleiman. In Ghana, Conte says if Partey and Xhaka stay fit, Arsenal will challenge for the title. And with similar sentiments in Zimbabwe, Didzai says, I'm an Arsenal fan. If Partey and Granit Xhaka continue to play in the midfield and with Saka, Martinelli and Jesus up front, we can win the Premier League title, says Didzai. In the Gambia, Belong Badgie says, I think Apate could help Arsenal to win the league because of his effectiveness in the midfield. He's a player whose moves intimidate the opposition. He can provide protection for the defence and he carefully executes his tackles and passes, says Belong. In Nigeria, Ibrahim Abdul Jalil says, yes, he can help them as long as he doesn't get injured again. And Konate in the Gambia shares the same sentiments. In Ghana, Conte Ansu says Thomas is very much integral in Arsenal's title race this season. When he was not involved against Manchester United, we lost the game. We pray that he doesn't get injured because we know him to be an injury-prone player, says Conte. Then in Uganda, Nguzu Sunday says he'll be vital in Arsenal's push for the title if he stays fit. And again in Uganda, Andrew Mwalia says he's a good guy, but he's not reliable. A similar thoughts from Ebolume Chie Mezie in Nigeria, who says Party is unreliable, but he's a good player. He's injury prone, but he can disappoint you when you need him most. The earlier we find a backup for him, the better for us, says Ewolum, who's another Gunners fan. And finally, in Uganda, Paul Baira says a fully fit Thomas Partey can destroy any midfield in England. In my opinion, if fully fit, he's the best defensive midfielder in the English Premier League, says Paul. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Show brought to you by Passion for Sport. 
Well, let's talk more English Premier League and go to Stuart Weir, our European football expert in the UK. Liverpool, Manchester City on Sunday is the game of the weekend, while Arsenal play away to Leeds. And uh, Arsenal's 3-2 win over Liverpool last weekend seemed like a big statement, Stuart. Yes, indeed. Arsenal stay top after that 3-2 win, uh, with Martinelli actively scoring in the first minute. And that is the tenth time that Liverpool have conceded the first goal in their 12 games this season. So it's that's part of the problem. Now, it was Bukaya Saka who scored two goals, including a penalty. He's English, but of Nigerian parents. And you may remember that Saka was one of the England players who missed a penalty during the penalty shootout in the European Championship final last year. And he received horrible racial abuse. It's great to see how he's moved on from that and had the confidence to take a vital penalty for Arsenal. Saka, Steve, is very open about his Christian faith, a follower of Jesus Christ. On Instagram, he uses three words to describe himself, athlete and God's child. But going back to the penalty, Jurgen Klopp felt it was a game of two penalties. Liverpool should have had one when Gabriel blocked Jota's shot with his arm and that Jesus tricked the referee with a dive after minimal contact. The Arsenal penalty was awarded and the Liverpool one wasn't. But it really is frustrating, whoever you support, to see a vital game like that decided by controversial decisions. Liverpool just don't look the team they were last season. They really are missing Sergio Mane. And I was going to say that Mo Salah has only scored two league goals all season. And then midweek, didn't he go and score three in six minutes in the Champions League? And against Arsenal, he was substituted after 69 minutes. And really bad news for Liverpool is that Luis Diaz suffered a bad injury, maybe after most of the season, including missing the World Cup for Colombia. Manchester City continued their form, beating Southampton 4-0. And you know, last week I thought that Jack Grealish was arguably the man of the match against Manchester United. And his reward? To sit on the bench until the 57th minute, with Pep Guardiola preferring to start with Riyad Mahrez. The strength and depth of Manchester City is just beyond belief. Now, Manchester United won at Everton, which leaves them in fifth place, bouncing back from conceding sixth at Manchester City. And Steve, uh, it looks as if Eric Ten Hag was listening last week when I said I was amazed that Casemiro had not started the Premier League game. Well, he started against Everton and was arguably the man of the match. One moment for me summed up his game. He lost the ball in his own half, then immediately won it back, looked up, saw Cristiano Ronaldo and found him with a defence-splitting pass. When Ronaldo received the ball, he had scored 699 goals, but a second later, he'd made it 700. Can you believe it? 700 goals in club football, starting in the 2002-03 season, when he scored for Sporting Lisbon. 20 seasons later, he's still scoring goals. 450 for Real Madrid, 144 for Manchester United, 101 for Juventus, 5 for Sporting. But again, Ronaldo was not in the starting eleven, but joined the game after half an hour when Anthony Martial was injured. Everton's goal was scored by Alex Iwobi, a great strike from outside the box. I've always liked Iwobi, but he's 
has struggled in his career for game time. In his five years at Arsenal and three seasons at Everton, he's never started more than 22 games. That's just over half the games in the season. But this season, he's been on the field for every minute of Everton's league games. Let's hope his fortunes are turning. Yes, great goal for Alex Iwobi and uh, things shaping up well for this season. Interesting to see how Liverpool do against Man City after that 7-1 Champions League win uh, over Rangers. And to Stuart, we continue to have these controversies over handball. Steve, spare thought for Marcus Silva, the Fulham manager, whose team went to West Ham, took the lead, only to lose 3-1. The first West Ham goal was a penalty, but TV replays showed a coming together of two players, arguably more the fault of Craig Dawson than Fulham's Pereira. And then West Ham scored two goals. In both cases, TV replays showed the ball striking the arm of the goal scorer. When three decisions go against you in one game, which you were winning, you must think it's not your day. To be fair to Silva, he refused to criticise the referee in the post-game interview, simply inviting everyone to watch the incidents and make up their own mind. Now, I neither support Fulham nor West Ham, but I have to say I entirely agree with Silva that on another day, Fulham would have won the game 1-0. But we're back in the situation, Steve, where we really don't know what constitutes handball. The law itself is unsatisfactory, or the interpretation of it. Now, just imagine three players in a game. A defender, a forward who creates a goal, and a forward who puts the ball in the net. The ball bounces against the arm of each of the three players. It's entirely accidental, no intention to play the ball with the arm. As the law currently is interpreted, the goal scorer is penalised for handball, while the player making the assist or the defender would not be penalised. Let me illustrate this with four incidents from last weekend. West Ham's Gianluca Scamaccia controlled a difficult ball, juggled, dinked it over the goalkeeper, but in controlling it, it touched his arm. The touch was very slight, and the referee and the VAR official awarded the goal. In the same game, the ball bounced off the arm of Mikel Antonio. He had a shot. It was saved. The ball rebounded to him and he scored. The goal was allowed. We understand because at the point when the ball struck Antonio's arm, he was not a goal scorer. It was deemed to be a previous phase of play. And then in the Manchester United Everton game, a defender kicked the ball clear and it struck Marcus Rashford on the arm. Rashford picked up a loose ball and scored and that goal was disallowed. And to be honest, I am not the only one who struggles to see a clear distinction between the Antonio incident and the Rashford incident. And in the Arsenal-Liverpool game, Gabriel blocked Jota's shot with his arm. Gabriel had no time to react, but his arm was above his head, the so-called unnatural position. No penalty was awarded, but the general view was that Arsenal were lucky to get away with it. All the more so when Arsenal won the game, as we said earlier, with a pretty soft penalty. So, Steve, I just wonder, before we move on, if you could just give us a quick summary of what constitutes handball in the Premier League. Um, Stuart, in a surprise move, the sacking of uh, Nottingham Forest manager Steve Cooper seemed imminent after a shaky start to the season. Uh, But now the club's given him a new contract up to 2025. Amazing turnaround. 
Uh, they did, in fact, sack the head of recruitment of the chief scout. They appointed a new sporting director and gave Cooper a new three-year contract. Forrest drew 1-1 with Aston Villa on Monday night, with their new signing, the Nigerian Emmanuel Dennis, scoring to give them the lead. I have to mention this, Steve, but the Villa equaliser was from 37-year-old Ashley Young, who equalised for Villa, having played for Villa previously, uh, before going to Manchester United and Inter Milan. And his last goal for Villa was 2009. But seriously, it's good to see Forrest having confidence in Steve Cooper. He has a hard job ahead of him. Magnificently, he got Forrest promoted last season. But then the club, and we understand it may well have been the director of football more than Cooper, signed 22 new players over the summer, meaning that Cooper is effectively starting with an entirely different team. So we'll have to see how that develops. But one manager to leave his job this week was Steve Bruce, fired by West Bromwich Albion. The club, which has spent seven of the last ten years in the Premier League, is currently in the bottom three of the Championship, with one win and 13. Bruce, who was a legend at Manchester United, is incredibly leaving West Brom at the end of his 12th managerial job. He was fired earlier in the year by Newcastle United when the new owners took over, but we understand that he left Newcastle with several million dollars compensation. Finally, Steve, I just need to tell you about Phil Jagielka, who scored for Stoke City this week. The old England international is now 40, and during his playing career, Chelsea have had 18 managers and Watford 25. Oh, well, that's a lot of change during his time. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.